Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast, Sammy Azari, federal and white collar criminal attorney in Chicago. Sammy, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on Lawyer Business Advantage today. I'm really excited for our conversation. For people that don't know, tell us a little bit about how you got started in law and then started your own law firm. Yeah. So, you know, in high school, I always had a passion for speaking and I initially thought I wanted to be a teacher, but I also had a passion for the, the math and sciences. I, uh, I thought I can combine those passions into a career of being a patent trial attorney. So I started with my electrical engineering degree from Purdue. And I thought, you know, a trial attorney kind of combines my passions of speaking. You know, you're talking to a jury applying principles of persuasion and also applying my math and my, my engineering background. And I thought that would be a unique way to carve out a career out of what I like to do. And then I just kind of quickly realized that the patent law isn't the way to go if you wanted to be in a courtroom trying cases. So I switched gears to criminal early on, but that was kind of when I knew I thought I was going to be an attorney is, is probably back in high school. <laughs> That's cool. And you love trials. I do love trials. I, uh, you know, that's, that's the main reason I became an attorney. I, I love being in front of a jury. I love arguing in front of a judge and whether it's a motion practice or, or a full jury trial, it just excites me. And I, I just find it really interesting going head to head with another attorney and trying to persuade someone of your particular argument. And your website is terrific. You list so many awards. You've been published several times. You've written articles that demonstrate thought leadership. I'd love to hear about how you became such an authority in criminal defense. And what was that journey like when you started your firm and really got going? Yeah, so I uh, I was told early on that being a lawyer, so this is a this is a business, or this is a profession. It's not a business, and so you need to treat it like that. And being a good attorney doesn't happen between nine to five Monday through Friday. It happens after hours. It happens on weekends, and it really kind of, you can really see who's kind of put in the time to make themselves, make themselves an authority. And by that, I mean, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five, you're spent, are spent either in court, client calls, administrative things, dealing with uh, other coworkers. And so, you know, when you're writing an article, it's not going to be during work time. When you're putting a lecture together, it's not going to be during work time. Whether you're just sitting back and reading, you know, the statutes and reading the case law and trying to familiarize yourself with things, it's not going to be during work time. So I just really tried to spend a lot of my free time trying to learn as much as I can and be an authority in different areas of, of criminal law. That is terrific. I love how you highlighted the fact that the exceptional people, the people that become those thought leaders, they spend a lot of time doing that. And it's kind of the extracurricular time outside of business hours, weekends, nights. I've seen that consistently from attorneys who are the best in the business. They put in the time, they make the sacrifice. I think the hockey expression for those of you that love that is they pay the price, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, it holds true. I mean, anyone that is at the top of their game, the people that are regularly arguing before the U.S. Supreme Court, the people that are winning high-profile trials or representing, you know, the defend the, the the clients that we all want, 
you know, they're the ones that are the thought leaders. They're the ones that are just making those sacrifices and putting in the time to hone their craft. And so your thought leadership and the caliber of uh, the trials and how you conduct the trials in Chicago uh, led you to make some changes in the way you're positioning your practice and in the kinds of cases that you like to take. So love to hear about how you've pivoted your new position and what led you to that moment where you started to say, you know what, I need to make some changes here. Yeah. So when I was, when I was a young attorney, my practice was more so on the state level. And those were things like, you know, your, your DUI or your domestic battery, armed robbery, attempt murder, things like that. And, you know, those, there were interesting. I tried a lot of cases and it was, it was great work, but then I, I started taking on more federal criminal matters. I found federal criminal matters to be more labor intensive, which I ironically liked. Um, <laughs> it was a lot more work, a lot more paperwork. Things were a little bit more formal and it was far more challenging because of the, the federal sentencing guidelines compared to the state counterparts. But I, I knew I wanted something more challenging. You know, the state work can get pretty rote. If you're, let's say, a DUI attorney or a domestic battery attorney, there's there's not much intellect that goes into those cases. It's more of a volume game. It's more of how many clients can you take on. But when you're on the federal level, there's a lot more writing involved. There's a lot more research involved. There's a lot more, it's just a lot more cerebral. And I think that attracted me to, to make this change to my practice that I've been doing over the last few years. Very cool. So this was really about pursuing a different kind of way of practicing law less uh, transactional, less volume-based, less you know, kind of rinse and repeat, and more about maybe taking that thought leadership further and really digging into the case law and digging into some of the interesting situations. And how exactly. has that gone? For, yeah, and how has it gone for you? How long have you been doing it? And, and what have you found uh, as far as the outcomes of that pivot? Yeah, so I've, I've been, things are going very well. I've, I've been practicing for 14 years, and I'm licensed in Illinois and California, and I practice the federal matters nationally, but I've had my own firm for eight years, and probably about the last five have been dedicated to more federal work than, than state work. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, the, the judges expect a lot out of you in federal court. You're expected to file lengthy written motions that are supported by case law, and that's not how things are. In state court, you hit the nail on the head. It was kind of more uh, rinse, repeat in, in state court versus in federal court where you kind of sink your teeth into a case and you really invest a lot of your time into it. Um, and so I just, I really enjoyed that. And things are, are really going well after I've really transitioned my firm. And how has that changed from you know, standard criminal defense to now the white collar criminal defense at the national level and federal court, how has that impacted your business development and your marketing? Well, it's definitely made business development more exciting because I can venture outside of Chicago for, for work. It's also made it more challenging because I have to put in a lot more time to make <laughs> those connections out of state to try to develop business. But it's given me the opportunity to, to handle cases in different jurisdictions, meet different federal prosecutors, uh, practice in front of different judges. So I've, I've enjoyed that aspect of it quite a bit. Well, this, this is terrific. And I'm, I'm very excited to have the opportunity to talk to you about this because we can actually compare and contrast you know, what you were doing before, you know, when you were practicing criminal defense in Chicago for biz dev and marketing and how it compares to what you're doing now 
now that you're at the national level of practicing white collar criminal defense. So can you take me through that, what you're doing before and what you're doing now and how they're the same and how they're different? Yeah. So are you asking like from the business development standpoint or from the practice standpoint? Business development and marketing standpoint. Yeah. So from the business development standpoint, you know, obviously I, I'm a networking organization and I spend quite a bit of time in those meetings and you know, the, the pandemic has certainly helped tremendously. Now that everything transitioned to Zoom, it's given me the opportunity to easily connect with people that I really would not have had the opportunity to meet. And that's helped with business development. It's kind of, you know, the pandemic has, is as horrible as it's been, really did away with uh, the state borders and, uh, we no longer saw ourselves as, as you know, Chicago attorneys or LA attorneys or San Francisco attorneys. We all just were people in the, in the same boat practicing in the same field. And we could easily connect over Zoom from the comfort of our own living room. So I've really taken advantage of that. And that's been a fantastic opportunity, not only to connect with other people in the organization, but get strategic introductions to people that are not in the organization that can help towards the growth of my practice. And you do a terrific job of doing that. I've seen you in action at these Zoom-based networking meetings, and you're always active. You're trying to help everyone that you possibly can with your contacts and with your connections. And you get absolutely rave reviews from the people that interact with you. So uh, you're doing it right, Sammy. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah. And as you think about, you know, you mentioned something earlier, which I want to come back to. You mentioned that the practice of law is not a business. And, you know, obviously I would take a different perspective on that, uh, being a business coach for law firms. And as you think about the business aspects of running your law firm, so now you're doing white collar criminal defense, you're doing that at national level. From a business perspective, how is that different from practicing traditional local criminal defense? Well, I mean, it's certainly more lucrative. You know, federal matters are just more serious. People are much more nervous when they're charged federally than by local authorities. When you're being prosecuted by the United States government versus, you know, say Chicago Police Department or, or L.A. or something, it definitely takes on a different meaning. So the you know, federal criminal matters are more lucrative than the state counterparts. With that being said, they're they're also harder to come by. And I say that not because there's more federal lawyers than state lawyers. I just say that because there's fewer prosecutions in federal court than in state court. So federal court's not a high volume practice. There's not a high volume on the docket in, in criminal court. But in state court, there is. You might walk into a state courtroom and you'll see you know, 50 to 100 cases on the call. In federal court, you might see 15 to 20 civil and maybe 10 or 15 criminal on any given day. So they're, they're harder to come by. And I think the qualifications that people look for are far more superior than when people are shopping around for a state criminal attorney. I think people vet their lawyers more seriously when they're facing a federal crime versus a state crime. And so that also adds to the challenge of getting new clients. That makes a lot of sense. And what does that mean for the competitive landscape as far as larger law firms targeting this white collar federal criminal cases? Yeah, so there's definitely different different levels of prosecution. You know, the larger law firms will typically represent a corporate entity or an organization. So for example, if a company gets indicted, you know, they're likely to go to a large law firm. And then the individual executives, you know, the CEO, the CFO, the CIO, the CTO, 
and the board members, they're going to need individual representation. And some of them may have the deep pockets to be able to retain a large law firm, and some of them won't, and they'll go to mid-sized or smaller law firms. And in some cases, if companies indemnifying these individuals, then they can hire whichever firm they want without worrying about the financial issue. But oftentimes, what you'll see is the lower people on the totem pole will trickle down to some of the smaller criminal defense firms. And so the larger firms will handle more of the institutional clients and the smaller firms will hire the individuals that are charged in the scheme. I see. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And I'm sure it creates uh, quite a diversity of law firms that play in this space, even though the qualifications are more rigorous, I guess, to be in the space. What are some of the things that you found that sets you apart from other attorneys that practice white collar criminal defense at the federal level? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've invested quite a bit of time in just uh, not only reading about, you know, the, what the future is. Well, let me, let me rephrase. I spent a lot of time trying to find out where the practice is going in the future and dedicating myself to learning about some current trends and what the government's going to be focusing on for future prosecutions. And I think also what separates me is, um, you know, I'm pretty active in giving lectures through, you know, the Illinois Institute of Continuing Legal Education, the Chicago Bar Association. I've also spent quite a bit of time getting published, written a few book chapters, written a few articles for The Champion, which is the magazine for the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. And very recently, I had an article published by Law 360 regarding PPP fraud and how, you know, the sentencings are going to be handled by judges and, and, and federal courts in the future. So I think just with, with the amount of time I've, I've invested in trying to get ready for what's to come, you know, honing my craft, I think is something that I'm hesitant to say, but not a lot of attorneys do that. And so I, I think I've kind of separated myself from the herd by doing things like that. Outstanding. It's great to hear that the way that you're differentiating yourself isn't through slick marketing or advertising or anything like that. It's through demonstrating thought leadership and by being at the forefront of your field. So that's terrific. That's doing it the right way. That's a great way to build a long-term sustainable reputation. And a quick comment or a question, I guess, for you on capacity, because If you're doing things like how PPP prosecutions are going to be handled, that is so timely. I have to expect that you're going to be getting a significant number of matters going your way. And I know your firm is growing like gangbusters. How are you addressing the issue of your capacity and your available time during the day? Yeah, well, so one of my uh, former students at one of the law schools I was coaching a mock trial team in, he's expressed interest in, in criminal law and he just took the bar exam. And you know, I think being able to kind of teach him some things and assign him a little bit of work until he kind of gets on his feet has been really helpful. He's, he's a tremendous writer and excellent researcher. And, you know, I think as a firm grows, I think they should definitely take advantage of law firm economics by hiring people to help with the work is, is as you stated, I, I understand that law is the business as well. And there's only so many hours in the day that someone is going to be able to handle on their own. And, and I think it's just really important to have people available to help you. And uh, that's part of the, uh, the transition that I've taken this year. That's a big step. So congratulations on making that transition. And if I may ask, what does a typical day look like for Sammy Azari? 
Yeah. So a typical day now, you know, during COVID and then the time of, of networking uh, through the Provisors organization is, you know, I'm starting my day at 6 a.m., uh, joining the uh, New England region that goes six to eight. And uh, typically I'll have another meeting, maybe an hour down the line in, in the California region, squeezing in a Zoom court appearance in between and perhaps after as well handling client matters for a few hours and then you know the afternoon and evening are are uh, you know full of more uh, zoom meetings with uh, potential referral sources and just continuing continuous uh, networking so a lot of it's a lot of it's just networking business development and then you know, scattered in there is legal work client work and then uh, scholarship writing yeah thank you for sharing that and I hope everyone heard that because the amount of effort that Sammy is putting in on the biz dev side is really remarkable. And that is how you grow your firm. It's by really making that a priority and getting that done. And then you also heard that he spends a significant amount of time on scholarly work and establishing himself as a thought leader. So Sammy, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing your typical day with us. <laughs> so given everything that you've experienced and all the success you've had, uh, what advice would you give to attorneys who are looking to grow their practices? Well, I would say uh, if someone's looking to grow their practice, definitely uh, you know put the time in to make the strategic connections that are going to help you do that. Also, if if you if you're intent on growing your practice, I would say a lot of time has to be devoted to becoming a thought leader because. A lot of people think of it the other way around where they think, well, I want to generate a ton of cases and then I'll figure out what to do. And that's just the wrong way to go about it because then you're kind of learning on the client's dime. You know, I've, I've taken the approach that I want to be as good as I can be before I start focusing on developing a ton of business. And when the cases came in, I knew exactly what to do. And I, I, I didn't really need to learn on the client's dime. And so I think that's definitely critical is just continuing to put in the time to learn, stay current on the law, and uh, just kind of giving back to the legal community as well, whether you're mentoring young lawyers, whether you're putting on CLEs, whether you're reading about what's going on, or whether you're writing about what's going on. I think just maintaining that full portfolio would be the way to go. Yeah, stay active, get out there, contribute to the legal community, make yourself known. Now, one of the questions I hear uh, from attorneys that I work with, Sammy, when we talk about thought leadership is they ask, how do I figure out what I should be a thought leader on or about? And how do I think of topics where I can establish thought leadership? So what were some of the things that you've done and you continue to do to identify those areas where you can contribute and where you can be a thought leader? Yeah. So I think it's, you really have to choose something that genuinely interests you. I, I don't think that you should choose something based on it being a hot topic. I think it should be something that you're generally interested in doing work that you're really interested in attracting. So for me, I just kind of naturally gravitated towards the white collar. I like the paper trail. I like the, the financial documents. I like the fact that there's a corporate entity along with corporate executives involved, or it could be a commodities trader or whatever. Um, I just really like that particular niche. And so I just kind of naturally gravitated towards what I liked. And there was there was always something going on in the white collar world. I mean, just off the top of my head, there's some interesting cases as, as I'm sure you've heard of the college admissions scandal. That was a white collar fraud case that was very high profile. And so you might not jump on something like that, but if it's that particular niche that interests you, and then you might focus on a high profile case to just kind of attract 
attention to what you're writing about or, or speaking about, I think that would be the best thing is I think a lot of attorneys might focus on what the hot new area is, and they might focus on that and try to strike while the iron's hot. And I think that's great. And I think that's a great way to do business. But if you just genuinely don't like it, I think you're just in for a world of hurt when you're doing a bunch of work on something that you're really not into. Yeah. And if you don't like it, maybe do the work for a while, but you're going to want to put it off as soon as possible. And to your point, Sammy, you've really dedicated yourself to scholarly pursuits in the area of white collar criminal defense. And it takes up you know, evenings, weekends, that kind of thing. So you really have to love what you do and be passionate about it. And what I love about what you said is that you mentioned, you know, pick an area that interests you first. So number one, find that area that interests you. And then number two, find a way to make it relevant. And so often attorneys get that backwards. They find an area that's relevant and then they try to dig into it and try to make it interesting to themselves. And sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, yeah. They're, they're going the wrong direction with that, with that approach. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great insight. Thank, thanks for sharing that with us. And so you've got a lot of awesome things coming. You're wrapping up your rebranding. You are bringing on another attorney. Uh, the future is bright for you and your firm. So what excites you over the next 12 to 18 months about your firm? Yeah, well, I mean, the next month or so is going to be a new website coming out, which I'm really excited about. I've been working on it for, I would say, the last at least four or five months or so, churning out a lot of new content for it. Uh, It's been pretty thrilling and very time consuming. So I think that combined with the rebrand I did with my LinkedIn profile and the connections I'm making, you know, but before you know, someone becomes a referral source, you really have to spend the time to get to know them and like them, and you have to trust each other before business starts flowing. So I think with the people that I've met throughout the pandemic over the last six to eight months, I think the relationships in the next 12 months are really going to go to the next level. And I'm really excited about you know, either collaborating with them on matters or referring matters back and forth. I'm really excited to get to meet them in person finally when we're able to safely <laughs> yeah. travel. So those are those are the things I'm looking forward to. Awesome. Well, I look forward to your next visit out here and we can catch up in person too. That would be terrific. Oh, absolutely. Um, Sammy, congratulations on all your success. And if people want to contact you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, email's great. I, uh, I check my email pretty much 24 hours a day. And next best way is LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on, on that website and uh, you know, keep the app on my phone. So whether a message comes in or a connection comes in, I'm usually on it right away. So those are two great ways to connect with me. Terrific. And again, Sammy, thank you so much for being on Lawyer Business Advantage Day and sharing your insights. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. And that's Sammy Azari, federal and white collar criminal attorney in Chicago. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, 
You can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.